With family like these, who needs enemies? Better late than never, this is the War Games Orchard. Wait, what's going on? It's not Tuesday? Well, yes, we are a little bit behind schedule this week, and that is due to my school. You can blame them, send them angry letters, mail them dead rodents, I don't know, whatever you want to do. Unfortunately, I have been swamped in schoolwork for the last little while. I had half a dozen assignments either come due this week or things that I had to finish up, all sorts of just delays and things that keep me from recording episodes, which is really all I want to do. I don't have a whole lot of time this week, as evidenced by the fact that this is probably coming out on Friday or Thursday, one of those two. So I wanted to share with you guys something that I have recently rediscovered and found a lot of value in reading through, and that is the High Elf and Dark Elf books of 6th edition. Now, I know these books aren't exactly remembered as absolute classics in terms of army list and composition. They weren't ultra strong. They were fun. They were flavorful. But they certainly had some downsides. But if you look beyond that, if you say, hey game, I'm not worried about stats or rules right now. I just want some good stories. Oh boy, are there some good stories in those two books. And I'm going to share with you today three short vignettes from each of these books. The very first one we are looking at is from the High Elf book. And this is a story of Prince Tyrion. I hope you enjoy. Against the Dark Host From the parapets of the Phoenix Gate the army appeared as a black tide, sweeping forwards with deadly intent. The first black arc had been spied by the lookout only hours before, and as more of the sinister floating citadels had gathered, the host of Nagaroth had descended upon the shores. Tyrion stood motionless watching the formations of dark elves. It had been centuries since he could remember seeing such a large host united to wage war against Ulthuan. The thought of his dark brethren tainting the soil of the fair isle reviled his heart to the core. For many months now, reports of raids all along the coast of Ulthuan had sickened his soul, and a growing anger had built up with the painful news of each new tragedy. It had been said that Malekith himself rode to battle at the fore of his army, but Tyrion could see no sign of the Dark Prince. Along the walls of the gate, young elves busied themselves carrying quivers of arrows and passing them to the proud city guard. The crews of ancient eagle-claw bolt-throwers checked their machines. The gathering army was already in range of their weapons, but no missile would be fired until he gave the signal. A cry of terror sounded from one of the watchtowers. Tyrion looked to where the sentry had pointed. Diving down from the skies, a flight of dragons soared towards the gate's wall, Tyrion's keen sight could clearly see the rider at the fore of the formation, 
A shiver of cold emotion ran down his spine as he recognized it to be Malekith, the Witch King of Nagaroth. As the dragons opened their huge black leathery wings, swooping on a strafing course across the wall of the tower, Tyrion realized their plan. The noxious fumes of the dragons would kill the guards manning the walls, allowing for the Dark Elves to advance without fear of the clouds of arrows that would otherwise fall upon their ranks. He quickly signaled the bolt throwers to focus on the new threat. Waiting for the dragons to close in, he held his sword out straight, before dropping his arm, bringing the sword in a sweeping motion to the ground. It was the signal to fire, and as Tyrion stood with bated breath, hoping that the many decades of training would pay off. The crisp twang of a dozen bolts launching skyward sounded. Two of the bolts struck home and a great cry of triumph sounded from the parapets, drowning out the piercing screams of the dying dragons which plummeted from the skies, falling into the pools that surrounded the gate. Pulling up from their attack course, the remaining dragons veered off sharply, back towards their own lines. Tyrion had little doubt that Malachith's dark flight would return once again to attack the walls, but for now its bite had been tempered. The appearance of the dragons must have been the signal for the Dark Elf advance, as far below the regiments now marched forward. Tyrion swiftly sprinted down the steep steps leading to the courtyard below. The silver helms were mounted and waiting in formation at the giant ornate gate, and at the foot of the stairs his own fine steed, Malandir waited patiently for its master. Jumping from the stairs, he sailed through the air with grace, landing squarely on the back of his destrier. He pulled the reins tight, and Malhandir responded instantly. There was an unseen link between the two. Such was the bond between Tyrion and his steed, that the fine horse could understand his master's wishes with the smallest of signals. Galloping to the fore of the cavalry formation, Tyrion thrust forward his sword, motioning for the gates to be opened. As the huge doors silently parted, the silver helms advanced from the fortress. The sound of the horse's hooves thudding on the lush green grass became a blur of noise as the charge of the silver helms picked up speed. Tyrion held his blade aloft, and within seconds the shimmering lances of the riders around him smashed into the front ranks of the advancing black guard. Tyrion's blade wove a dance of death, felling one after another of the evil invaders. Then he spied the banner of an old adversary. Before him stood Koran, scourge of Ulthwan, captain of the Black Guard, commander of the Witch King's forces. His name was hated and feared amongst the High Elves. Two of Koran's sinister bodyguards stepped in front of him to protect their lord, but Malhandir reared up, bringing his hooves crashing down on their skulls. Kuran raised his sword to strike at the exposed neck of Tyrion's white steed, but as he thrust what would have been a killing blow, Tyrion deftly parried the attack. More of Kuran's ruthless black guard tried to pull down the high elf noble from his horse. Tyrion had challenged their captain, but there was no honor amongst his kind. Tyrion's rune sword blazed brightly as it cut down any black guard who strayed too close. Once again, Kuran attacked, this time aiming his blow at the high elf hero. But even the dark enchantment on the blade could not break through Tyrion's finely wrought armor. Tyrion brought his blade down in a powerful arc, smashing it against Koran's weapon. For a brief moment, the runes on the two weapons flared into light. The dark runes of Koran's blade glowed a menacing red against the bright blue runes of Tyrion's sword, Sunfang. With a mighty crack, Koran's blade broke, and Sunfang cleaved down through the Blackguard hero's helm, 
killing him instantly. Stunned by the death of their champion, the Dark Elf attack relented for a brief moment. It was all the time Tyrion needed. Sensing his master's intentions, Malhandir reared majestically before galloping full speed back to the gate. The Silverhelms followed, and as they reached the great portal, Tyrion reined in his steed and allowed the brave cavalry to enter before him. Seeing the retreat, the Dark Elves quickly pursued. The whole host of Nagaroth surged forward, screaming with malice-filled hatred. Tyrion knew the gates could not be closed before the Dark Elves reached them. But, as the front lines closed in, Tyrion pointed his blade towards the parapets, waiting for a brief second before lowering his sword. At his prearranged signal, the archers on the top of the wall released their bowstrings. Clouds of arrows rained down on the charging army. The familiar sound of bolt throwers firing a volley of missiles into the thick ranks of dark elves followed. The Druchi charge faltered before quickly becoming a full-scale retreat. As the last of his dark cousins fled out of bow range, Tyrion stood up in the stirrups of his saddle and raised his sword high in victory. Sitting down again nonchalantly, the magnificent elven prince turned his back on the fleeing army, and slowly elf lord and steed rode through the open porticles. As the ornate gold doors slammed shut behind him, Tyrion knew in his heart that they had merely won a small respite from the invasion. With Malekith leading the invaders, his soldiers would be fighting for many months to come. Should the gate fall, then the forces of darkness would soon conquer his people, and, having regained their ancestral home, surely they would then descend upon the rest of the world like a hate-ridden scourge. On Ulthwan, the High Elves would make their stand, and on Ulthwan, the fate of the world would rest. Tyrion was unafraid. He was born to fight this war. That is a fun little story with some interesting twists. I feel like Koran's death in this story became retconned in later eras as he does show up as a special character, I believe all the way into 8th edition. He was never one of my favorites, so I have not really taken him. I don't take a lot of Blackguard in my armies, but I do enjoy their models a lot. They tend to be a little bit underwhelming, though. The theme of today's podcast is the conflict between the Dark Elves and the High Elves, and you get a really good sense of it from comparing the stories in the two army books. Next up, we have a Dark Elf victory, also coming at the expense of a special character. The great jaw snapped shut, ripping the High Elf in two. The dismembered torso fell to the ground as the dragon arched its neck and searched for a new victim. The row of sharp spears thrust in vain at the hard scales that protected the tough dragon hide. With one mighty swing of his blade, the Witch King beheaded three of his assailants. As their limp, lifeless bodies hit the floor, the attack wavered. Even the brave High Elves knew that to fight such a powerful opponent was sheer folly. The dragon let out a deafening roar and with that the spearmen broke. As they turned to escape, the great beast took in a deep breath, filling its massive lungs. With another loud bellow, it released a cloud of thick, noxious gas that enveloped the fleeing troops. In a matter of seconds, each soldier was brought to his knees, gasping in vain for breath. Their lungs had been burnt by the corrosive acids in the dragon's breath. Each of them would suffocate to death in excruciating pain. Malekith dug his heels into his stirrups, 
It was the signal that his mount was to take to the air. The beast stretched out its wings to their full span, casting a dark shadow over the blood-stained earth below. With just a couple of beats, it had risen from the ground, and with an agility that belied its monstrous size, hovered over the carnage below. From his high vantage point, the Dark Elf King could see that the battle was faring well. The charge of the Cold One Knights had broken the left flank of the High Elf line. Once through the solid formation of spearmen, the savage beasts had borne down upon the lines of archers with remarkable speed. His warriors had been victorious, and even as he looked around, were now gathering the captured High Elves into lines. The ancient ruined palace of Anlek was now his again to rebuild and fortify. From here his forces could once more strike at the heart of Ulthuan. He issued a command to the dragon and it covered the distance between him and the ancient castle with remarkable speed. The creature landed upon the cracked marble stairs that had once led up to the throne room. From this palace, Malekith and his mother Marathi had held court. He and his father alone understood the need for war. From this very land had his father not saved the fate of those elves who now spat insults at his son? Malekith leapt down from the saddle and strode up the stairs towards the ruined entrance of the throne room. Though the roof had long since collapsed, the doors to the room were barred before him. Did the fools really believe that they could deny the rightful heir entry to his own throne room? With a single whispered word uttered from the mouth of Malekith, the ancient doors cracked before bursting open. A sorcerous wind tore through the small chamber, creating whirlwinds of dust and debris. Malekith found it strange that there had been no guard posted at the doors. Were the High Elves so vain in their own pride that they thought their army undefeatable? Come no further, vile Druchi. This is not your realm to rule. The hidden challenger who spoke was calm and showed no sign of fear of the king of the Dark Elves. And who is this that dares tell me I may not rule over what is mine? The Witch King hissed out his reply hatred boiling through his words. From behind the broken stone dais, where the throne once sat, a single warrior stepped out. On his head he wore the ornate feathered helm of Irves, and the Witch-King could sense a powerful magical field emanating from the sword that the warrior held in his hand. In an instant Malekith knew who stood before him. Ah, the impetuous Altharian. Has your vanity grown so great that you believe you can challenge me? Come, fool, meet your doom. As Malekith spoke his challenge, Altharion raised his sword in preparation for the combat. Malekith had little doubt he could slay the young warrior, but he would not give Altharion the satisfaction of honorable combat. Pointing his armored gauntlet at the high elf hero, he uttered a single word. In an instant, Altharion felt a darkness surround him. He clutched at his throat, unable to breathe, his entire body coursed with pain, as though his blood had been turned to molten lead. Tears of blood poured from his eyes, and he fell to his knees in agony, his fang sword slipping from his grasp. The Witch-King let out a malicious laugh. You pitiful wretch! Had you led your valiant men on the battlefield instead of cowering inside this place, then you may have stood a chance of defeating me. Know this! before you die. None tread on my land without my word. Those who dare defy me suffer death. The Witch King stepped over to where Altharion lay, 
and with a strength disguised by his thin, armored body. He picked up the high elf by his neck and dragged him to the open doors. Over a hundred high elves knelt in a long line, their hands tied behind their backs and their necks exposed. Over each of them stood one of Malachus' elite executioners, holding their terrible blades high in readiness. How fitting that the Warden of Yeres will be the first to acknowledge my succession to the throne of Ulthuan. For your loyalty, I will spare the lives of your men. They are but misguided fools, and under my rule, they will learn the error of their ways. Eltharion's pain multiplied tenfold, with the knowledge that he had the lives of his men in his hands. But for his pride, he could perhaps save those soldiers who had fought with him so valiantly on the shores of Nagroth. He knew, though, that he could never bow to Malekith. His men would not wish it so either. With his last strength, he raised his head in defiance. You are but a prince of darkness. As the words passed by his lips, his body sagged and fell into unconsciousness, in the grasp of Malekith. In a dark rage, the Dark Elf Lord picked up the body of the noble hero, holding it over his head before casting him down the stairs. Have my most skilled torturers see that his spirit is broken, and his body becomes little more than an empty husk, he ordered one of his commanders. What information would you have us extract from this sorrowful excuse for an elf, my lord? The commander bowed. There is nothing that this one can tell me. Once they have had their pleasure, have what is left of the noble elf sent back to Lothran. It will be a warning sign of the fate of any who dare stand between me and what is rightfully mine. Malachus's eyes betrayed no sign of emotion, frozen in a deadly stare of contempt at the wounded Eltharian. And what of the prisoners? The commander inquired. Kill them. Kill them all. His order was met by the dull thud of elven heads as they were brutally separated from their torsos. As he walked back to the throne room and sat on the cold stone dais, a simple smile passed by his lips. Such slaughter would be the fate of any who defied him. The weak would die, in order that the strong prevail. Oh, Malekith, doing Malekith stuff. Not really a fight between him and Eltharion. To be fair, that is not the same power level that you are trying to compare there. Malekith, a level 4 wizard. Uh, Eltharion, not so much, but hey, we know that Eltharion goes on to regain his warrior ways after the Dark Elf torture, becomes a swordmaster for a little while, becomes blind for a little while, but then gets better through magic and stuff, and uh, goes back to being the Warden of Tor Ivres, as if nothing ever really happened. That was kind of a weird story arc for Eltharion, honestly. All right, we have one more left to do today. And that is also from the Dark Elf book, but it's not it's a bit of a story about both the High Elves and the Dark Elves. The sun sank below the horizon, reflecting a myriad of colors on the surface of the sea. In the darkening twilight on the cold, sandy beach, a warrior drew his sword. Silhouetted in a thick, unearthly mist, to his left he could make out the image of a shrine. That is why they were here. The treasure within the temple would decide which of the factions would control the fate of Ulthuan. The elf relished the coming battle. He felt the cold biting, and the combat would at very least turn his attentions away from the sharp frost that gnawed through his entire body. He knew 
it would be a bitter and bloody fight, and something deep within his consciousness told him he would not live to see the conclusion. Pushing such thoughts aside, he advanced forward with the rest of his regiment. How dare the arrogant Avalorians invade his land! Had not he and his kin struggled for many years against the invasion of chaos? Many citizens of Nagarith had died protecting the people of Ulthwan, and their reward was betrayal. For that, he would make them suffer. They were a proud, vain people, and that was their weakness. A deep rage began to swell inside him. This was his enemy. They had always been so. A young spearman, his features masked by the tall silver helm of his people, stepped from the mist to challenge him. His face was familiar. He had seen this Avalorian before. The warrior searched his memory for some scant recognition, but none came. He easily parried a low thrust. He had seen the attack coming, and had learned how to defend from such moves. He had parried that blow a thousand times now. Bringing his blade upward in a powerful arc, he already knew it would kill the young warrior. His sharp steel cut a deep gash into the white tunic of the elf. A red stain spread from across his chest as the Avalorian sank to his knees before being consumed by the mist that swirled at their feet. Another assailant stepped forward. His face, too, sparked some recollection in the warrior's eyes. Something deep within his consciousness told him that this warrior would trip and that this would be his undoing. Even as the thought passed through the dark elf's mind, his challenger stumbled on a rock, falling to the ground. The warrior thrust his blade down into the prone Avalorian's unprotected back, killing him instantly. In a brief respite, the warrior looked about the battlefield. To his left, another dark elf slew his opponent. This warrior's armor and family insignia were unfamiliar to him. How could that be? He knew the emblems of each of the noble lines of Nagarith, and this was not one of them. What strange ally had joined them in the slaughter? He had no time to investigate further. A sword arced downwards. It would miss him by inches. It always missed. Again, he recognized the features of his opponent. The scar on his cheek. The look of horror that would appear on his face when his armor was pierced. The warrior thrust out with his bloodied blade, his opponent's scale mail tearing open, allowing the sharp sword to slide through him with ease. The dark elf waited for another opponent to appear through the mist, but none would come. There were no more for him to slay. A route to the shrine lay clear in front of him now. Inside of it, the Sword of Cain, forged by the elf smith god Val. Such was its power that he who wielded it could challenge the gods themselves. If he could reach it, he could deliver it to Lord Malekith. Perhaps even he could use its power to stop this war. He would bring peace to Ulthwan, uniting the elves together, so once again they could rule supreme over the world. He ran up the black marble steps, although he knew that he would never reach the top. Here, on the last step, he would meet his fate. Here, he would die. Yet how? There were no warriors to stop him. No one to challenge him. Perhaps the emotion of battle had clouded his thoughts. A sharp sting struck him on the back, and he remembered, an instant before seeing, the arrowhead which had burst out of his chest. The warrior collapsed to his knees, slowly feeling his life ebb away, as it had done a thousand times over. As suddenly as it had appeared, his body dissipated into the mist. One by one, each of the warriors fell, their bodies vanishing as they hit the ground. Generations of elves were doomed forever to fight each other in an afterlife of war. 
as the morning sun rose, the mists that shrouded the land cleared. The empty beach showed no signs of a battle that had been fought the previous evening. The sand dunes that covered the region were undisturbed by the marks of a skirmish. No carrion feasted on the flesh of the dead. Only the white bones of long-dead warriors rose from the windswept sands, destined to be reclaimed at some future time by the shifting dunes. The small band of shadow warriors that guarded the temple slipped silently down from the crest of a tall dune. They had spotted a group of Druchi raiders making their way across the dune-filled plain, and swiftly moved to intercept them. The next night, the spirits of yet more doomed warriors would swell the armies in the eternal struggle that was waged upon the Blighted Isle. The conflict between the Dark Elves and the High Elves is such a pivotal one in the history of Warhammer. It is that glorious, near-Shakespearean kin strife. The great drama of the Warhammer world within a race that, by all rights, should be preeminent amongst the world's powers, but due to its own arrogance, its folly, and these larger-than-lives heroes and villains have broken apart and wouldn't be reunited until the closing days of the end times. I hope you've enjoyed these stories as much as I have. The Dark Elf and High Elf books are full of great stories in 6th edition, and it was something that I had forgotten about a little bit. That's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully I will have a bigger, fuller, beefier episode next week, and hopefully that one will be on time. Thank you so much for your patience, and thank you for listening. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. <laughs>